Hello and welcome to the Family Brand Podcast. My name is Chris. I'm a husband, a father, and an entrepreneur. My name's Melissa, and I am a wife, mother, former nurse turned real estate investor. And we believe the greatest gift you can give your child is a last name that stands for something. Your last name is your family's brand. If you are a parent who wants to raise your child to know who they are, love who they are, and believe in who they are, this show is for you. We promise to bring you real and authentic conversations with parents and experts who are committed to making their family their life's most important work. This show will help you take a stand for your family and to raise your children by design, not default. Hello and welcome to today's podcast episode. Chris and Melissa, again, we have some awesome content for you. I'm really excited about this one. We're going to be talking about language, language that we speak. Yeah. And it's not just, sometimes people hear that and they're like, what does that mean? Because language can mean a lot of things. And sometimes people are like, are you talking about like having your kids not use bad language and have them use good language? And it's, it's, it's way more than that. It's this idea of that language creates, that every time we speak, it creates something. And it's actually not possible to speak and not have it create. And everything that actually exists in the world, look out and anything you see, it was created first by someone spoke it. So everything that has been created was first spoken into existence. And when you think about this idea of, yeah, what is the kind of language we use as a family? Like what's the kind of language I use to myself that Melissa and I use with each other and with our children? Is it a language of creation and possibility or a language of like limitation and and complaining? Hang with us here for a little bit. Like we're going to go deep for a minute and then... Give some real practical applications. Yeah, there'll be like some, you'll be like, oh, wow. Yeah, I can see how this can really be used to me and my family. But just that alone, like that awareness, when I first really kind of thought about that and dug into that, that every time I speak, it creates something. So no matter what I speak around my children or to myself, it creates something. And what's interesting is when, you know, the studies have shown that the subconscious brain actually can't distinguish between um, sometimes what we want and don't want by how we use language. And so sometimes we're actually creating what we don't want by how we say things to ourselves. So for example, if you say like, I don't want to have a bad marriage, well, your subconscious brain can't distinguish the don't. It just hears bad marriage. (laughs) Just a simple thing like that, but how profound it can be that the language would be, I want to have an amazing marriage. I'm committed to having an amazing marriage. In essence, you're saying the same thing, right? Like I want to have an amazing marriage. I don't want to have a bad one. Depending on how you use the language can actually be a very different outcome. Mm -hmm. You're you're thinking it's the same outcome, but in actuality... Yeah. And so are we using language to create what we want or are we using language to try and avoid what we don't want? I want to read a quote to you by Werner Earhart. He's the founder of um, Landmark, which is a transformational uh, you know, leadership coaching company. And he talks about this idea of language that I think is a, a really cool example. And think about how it applies to our children. Because again, we believe that the culture in your home will shape how your children see themselves for the rest of their life. Well, what creates the culture in our homes? Well, one of the big things that creates a culture in our home is the language we use, right? Do we use uplifting, empowering language? Do we have mission, vision, values? Do we state who we are and what it means to be a Smith, right? Yeah, and I think a huge, a huge one that I want to bring up, I'm reminded of is, yeah, just the culture of possibility. Like, do we always talk about, you know, the things that we can't do or that are too hard or is it, what are we creating and how are we going to make this happen? This is something we want to do. How are we going to make it happen? And just our kids growing up in that environment where they feel like their dreams are possible. The family's dreams are possible. Anything is possible. Yeah. And I think for Melissa and I, one of the things we recognized is we had, when we were first married, a lot of money stories and we really had like a poor person's mindset and the language we would use around money was always, no, we can't afford that. Okay. We don't have enough money for that. It was never like, Hey, we're committed to creating enough money to do this. It was like, 
you know, again, we were attracting what we didn't want and we had a money story largely because of the language we used around it. And so today we're really conscious of trying to never say in front of our kids, oh, we can't afford that. Or we don't have money for that. Rather saying, hey, if that's something we want to do, yeah, we can create that. Let's get to work. Like we get to do the work to go create that money to make that happen. Yeah. Let's get, let's get curious. Let's get to work and see how it's going to happen. And, and like Warren Earhart said, though, seldom do we think about language at that level. And I, I didn't for a long time. And he said, almost, although most of us seldom think about it, the kind of talking that reaches down into being and alters what is possible deeply affects our lives. For example, the truth that all men are created equal did not exist before the creation and signing of the Declaration of Independence in 1776. At that time, there was no evidence for the equality of men. It was a truth brought forth in the Declaration of Loan. In the author's willingness to give themselves over to the possibility to stand fully for their creation, an equality that had before been impossible was born. And so even something as simple as like, yeah, we believe all men are created equal. Well, that belief and that truth wasn't a reality. It didn't exist until someone just said, well, this is true. And they spoke it. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't a, wasn't a widely held belief at yeah. all. And, and one of the things that is true is like, if we want to change our lives, we have to change our beliefs. And how can we change our beliefs? Well, we can change our beliefs with the use of language. And so just to give you a really practical example of this, um, let's tell the story of Ivy when she got an ear infection. And Yeah. So this was a couple a couple of years ago, probably. And Ivy, are eight, she's eight, eight now. It was like wintertime. And I think she had had an ear infection for a while and it affected her hearing. And it was like the running kind of joke, I guess, of the family, like, we would say something to Ivy and she'd be like, what, what? <laughs> like 11 times, huh? What, what? <laughs> and I initially her hearing, I think, was indeed affected. But as this drag on, dragged on for a while, I think it just became like an identity kind of for her. Partially because we would tell her, like she would hear us say, oh, Ivy can't hear. You're going to have to talk about it because Ivy can't hear. It's so hard for Ivy to hear. <laughs> So that's the language we were using. That's what we were saying to her in front of her because, you know, she had these challenges with an ear infection. So one day Chris walks in from work. Here, I'll let you take it from here. Yeah, I come home from being at the office and it kind of hit me because I hadn't been there all day and I walk in and it it really wasn't like this, but it kind of occurred to me that like Melissa, Tate and Tanner were like ganging up on Ivy and like, you can't hear, you can't hear. And I realized that moment, like she can totally hear. We've created her not to hear because of our language. Like she believes she can't hear because we keep telling her that. And so then I immediately go grab Melissa, Tate and Tanner, take them into the bedroom. And I go, Hey, here's what I think has happened. We are no longer at all going to use language in front of her, around her, even when she's not around that she can't hear. In fact, we're going to start telling her how good she is at hearing. <laughs> even <laughs> that might sound weird. I do remember that we were, that we actually did do that. Yeah. Ivy, you are such a good hearer. <laughs> you, you are so good at hearing. And it was just like the most amazing thing within a matter of days, she could hear again. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. It's just like, that was just created through language. But that really woke me up to like, whoa, imagine how we shape our identity or our children's identity like around way more than just, you know, someone that's having a hard time of hearing because of, you know, an ear infection. Like really, like how our children see themselves. And this whole idea that we talk about in Family Brand of, you know, part of this work is to help children know who they are, love who they are and believe in who they are. Well, I think one of the most powerful ways to accomplish that is the language we use in our homes and to ourselves that our children observe and the language we use to them and them for themselves. Because this idea of like, when we say we want children to know who they are, it doesn't mean that our kids go on this like pilgrimage or this quest to like find themselves. Mm -hmm. Partly what it means is like, you know who you are because you get to decide who you are. You decide who you want to be and go be it, right? 
And, and that's why, you know, our, our mission, our family mission statement is we believe you can be who you want to be. And that's that idea of like, yeah, if you want to know who you are, just decide who you are. But again, if you're telling yourself really powerful things about yourself, and then what's interesting is we've, we've been reading recently in the scriptures and I, I wanted to have our kids start adopting some I am statements, like some affirmations, just again, this idea of like language. And there's been so many studies shown that if you say something to yourself consistently for, I think over like 25, 26 days, it literally releases like these proteins in your brain that carve new neural pathways and sh- change the shape of your brain <laughs> with language, whether it's saying powerful things to yourself or not, it still happens. And so we just really wanted to encourage our children to start having these affirmation statements and these I am statements. And it got me thinking like, what, you know, you see in the scriptures all the time, this like these I am statements or I am that I am. And I was like, what does that mean? So I did a little research and it actually comes from a Hebrew phrase, which translated is I will become what I choose to become. I am what I am. I will be what I will be. I create what I create. And I was like, oh, that's really profound. That's really interesting. So when you're saying this, like I am, regardless of what comes after it, in it, you're also saying like, I will create what I create. Like I will be who I be, like who I choose to be. Yeah. I never heard that this week until until Chris shared that one morning with, with the family. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And so our kids, it's actually been really fun. Like our, I was surprised how much our kids really brought themselves to the I am statements. So after that, we did have each of the kids have um, a little exercise where we did have them kind of develop. Like, who do you want? Who do you want to be? Like, what's important to you? How do you want to talk about yourself? And it was really, really awesome just to see even little Indy, who's three. Hers were the best. Hers were the best. She said, "With like, I we didn't coach her at all." And she said it with the most. What would you say, gusto and pizzazz of like, yeah, conviction. She knew like right away. She's like, "I am the greatest listener in the world." <laughs> <laughs> I am the greatest dog owner in the world. She thinks yes. our border collie is her dog. It's our family dog, but she's she convinced it's hers. And that also, she's the greatest dog owner in the world. And I believe in who I am. I believe in who I am. Uh huh. But she said it like she really believed it. Yeah. And again, no, she had heard the conversation, you know, that had ensued prior to this, but without any coaching, that's just that was inside of her. Yeah. And it was interesting that one of the things that we we do these weekly check ins with our kids on Sundays, and they're just usually 10 or 15 minutes long. And we ask them two questions, you know, what's important to you this week and how can we support you? And then we've added a third one recently where it's, you know, it's all like, let's say Tanner's and I'll say, Hey Tanner, what do you think about Tanner Smith? I am what? And what I noticed is when we first did this with our kids, they would always say like, I am good at basketball. I am good at tumbling. I am good at math. Yeah. They would talk about things that they are good at or that they do, but they were reluctant to talk about like who they are, right? Like I am beautiful. I am smart. I'm funny. I'm kind. But the more that, you know, that we, we started doing those check-ins, but then we did this a- a- activity last Sunday and it was kind of like, as each of our kids heard each other, it kind of encouraged them. And then they've really like that night, um, we have this picture of Ivy. I took a picture of Ivy and Trip on their beds with their journals out, reading each other, their I am statements. And it was just the cutest thing ever. Yeah, it was really cute. We had, I just read this book called Atomic Habits and then it was really good. And it talked about how, you know, when you're starting a new habit, such as we were suggesting to the kids, you know, like using these I am statements that it's good to have an accountability partner. And so we, the kids kind of picked a partner and then that was their partner for the week to hold each other accountable to like making sure they were speaking powerfully about themselves. So on their own, yeah, they went and climbed up in their bed at night and did them together. But what, what, I guess what occurred for me out of that was like, 
wow, there's really something about this um, that has our kids just like bring themselves to it and really believe in it. Because I think when you speak truth to yourself like that, like these I am, you're speaking it like it's real, but it's also again like this quote, like I'm creating this. Like this may not be who I am today, but I'm and I'm taking it on like it's who I am. And that's the power of language is some of the language that we use even in our home with some of our values. They're not our values because we're living them. They're sometimes our values because we aspire to be that. Like for example, one of our values is Smiths are adventurous. It wasn't like we were this super adventurous family and they were like, oh, we better, we better have a value that captures how adventurous we are. I actually think we were like, we want to be more adventurous. Yeah. Say yes. So what, adventure. so what if we start telling ourselves every morning as a family, Smiths are adventurous. And I think it had a huge part in creating us to go to Hawaii. Do you think we'd have gone to Hawaii without saying to ourselves, Smiths are adventurous? Yeah, no, I think it had, I think it definitely played into the decision. And also this week I was at the store with Ivy and the sprinklers, the sprinklers were on, you know, in front of the store. And she was like, Oh, that it's still hot in, in Arizona. And so she's like, Oh, those sprinklers, they look like they feel so good. I want to run through them. And I was like, you should run through them, Ivy. And she's like, no. And then I was like, Ivy, Smiths are adventurous. <laughs> and I just, I was holding her hand and we just took off and like ran through the sprinklers on the way into the store. And it was so fun. She was, it was totally out of what I would normally do. But again, that language of Smiths are adventurous had me be like, let's do this. Like, this isn't even risky, but it's like a fun little thing. Like, let's do it. Yeah. So it's, it's, it, that's the crazy part though about language sometimes is that you speak the language out into the world and then the, it's almost like the language comes back and grabs a hold of you and pulls you forward into that like reality. Yeah. Like it creates you to become that. That's what's powerful about it. Another one of our values is Smiths can talk about anything without judgment. And Melissa and I have decided that we're going to take our kids on an 11-year-old trip, a 13-year-old trip, and a 15-year-old trip. Just because in those critical like you know teenage years. So we've done two so far. We've done two 11-year-old trips and we're about to do a 13-year-old trip. And the 11-year-old trip is where we really emphasize their relationship with us. Like, and really like want them to know, like, you really can come talk to us about anything. You know, this, this value that Smiths can talk about anything without judgment. It's true. And I felt like the first time we did it, Melissa planned this really awesome trip to San Francisco with Tate because he loves to cook and he loves Ed Sheeran and there's an Ed Sheeran concert. And she just made this really awesome, awesome experience. And I feel like the whole time I'm just like pouring my heart and soul out to Tate about how we can talk about anything. And I felt like every time I did it, he'd be like, okay, cool. Can we go with some ice cream? Hey, look at that dog over there. <laughs> I just was like, okay, maybe it's not sinking in. But it's something we say every morning as a family and have for a long time. And I remember what was it like three months after that trip? He walks into the bedroom and was like, hey, dad, you know how we always talk about Smiths can talk about anything without judgment? And I was like, yeah, man. He's like, can I talk to you? And I was like, sure. And he ends up sharing something with me that was really like personal for him and something he'd struggled with. And it was just like, again, like I wonder like if, if that wasn't language that we were speaking regularly, like would it have created that confidence in him to come and and share that. And so I think, you know, this idea again of for children to know who they are, well, they get to have a hand in shaping who that is through language and how they speak to themselves. I think for children to love who they are, again, is like those I am statements, right? I am powerful. I am beautiful. I am, you know, kind, whatever, whatever that is for them. And then also to believe in who they are, right? Like these things like I am this, I am going to accomplish this. Also, I think it's important to talk about how we speak about our children, um, not only like to them or when we're around them, but just even when they're not. Um, I had an experience with with Tate when he was little. Um, he, I would say, was kind of shy. Like I would introduce him to people, and he would just kind of hide his, you know, hide his head behind me. And I would always just tell the whoever I was talking to, I'd be like, "Oh yeah, he's just kind of shy." And then 
he had to have been only maybe four or five. I heard him describe himself as shy to someone. He's like, yeah, I'm just kind of shy. It hit me like, oh my gosh, like he believes himself to be shy because I mean, he would have no reason to believe that other than I have been telling him that. So I, I don't know, it just struck me then like, wow, the words we speak about our children are so important, so impactful. And since that time, I just, it's this little observation that I make when I'm in different places. And it's so interesting just, just to make those observations. Like I'll hear people saying like, oh, he never, like about their little kids, like, oh yeah, he never follows the rules or she's so naughty or (laughs) whatever it may be. He'll never eat his vegetables. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't want to, we don't ever want to turn this into like a guilt or shame storm. We would never, you know, that's the furthest thing from what we want to do here. But I just say that to emphasize the point, like if that's what the kid is, what your child is hearing every day, that's what they're going to learn to believe is who they are. Yeah. That language shapes her identity, but also that language shapes our identity. <laughs> and so again, it's like one of the, one of the most powerful things I, that we believe you can model as a parent is knowing yourself, loving yourself and believing yourself in the language that you use. And another story that I love is I heard a guy give a talk named Brian K. Taylor, and he described a story of a young girl. I think she was in her late teens, maybe early twenties. Yeah. And she had caused an accident where the other driver had passed away. And that other driver was a mom who had, I think, still children at home. Yeah. And she was just devastated, this girl, and got to a point where she's like, I couldn't, I couldn't even pray because I didn't, you know, there's no way that I could be a child of God and have caused such pain and devastation. Yeah. Children to lose their mother. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so she said that, uh, so Brian goes on to say that fortunately for her, she was able to go meet with a really, really awesome therapist who gave her the advice, like really inspired advice to that was, I want you to say out loud so many times a day, I'm a child of God. And at first, this young girl said, I couldn't say it out loud. I could hardly even write it. So I started writing it. And then I started like thinking it. And then eventually it was like still un- unbearably painful. I said it out loud. And she said, I don't know what else to say other than like the miracle had happened that I said it enough that I actually started to believe it. And I started to change the way I saw myself. And it's just like, those are just such simple stories about like, she literally changed the way she saw herself. Like she literally changed her identity with just yeah, that's powerful words. Story. I think one of the things, would you agree, Melissa, that kind of the first experiment for us around language was the idea of like creators, like being a creator. That was kind of one of the first times we started really saying anything like Smith's are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was. We'd had some conversations around this idea of being a creator or a complainer. And yeah, I think that was kind of the beginning of it. And I know for me, like I was quote unquote, like doing it for my kids, but that was right around the time I started the business. And I, I literally said that phrase to myself (laughs) some days, dozens of times when I had a ton of self doubt and wasn't making any money and trying to get my business off the ground. I was like, why Smiths are creators, Smiths are creators, like Smiths can create, like I'm a creator. And I had a bracelet, you know, made up that had said create on it. Yeah, I remember that. And then this idea of, you know, create or complain kind of became a mantra in our home. Just like, Hey. You can create or you can complain, but you can't do both. And what's cool is our kids, you know, years later have now taken that and turned it into a t-shirt company actually, which they're having a lot of fun with. But the the goal again behind create or complain is to use language to inspire and remind kids that like, and adults, everyone like you are a powerful creator. And so the last thing that I wanted to share around this, when you're looking, when you're thinking about like your family's mission, vision, values, and this idea of what do we stand for and what do we want to be known for and what are our values? They don't just have to be things that you already are. They can be aspirational. 
And I think there's also something really profound about, you know, when we teach in the family brand course that to, we encourage families not just to have values to say our fam, our values are, but to have values where your last name is part of it. Smiths are, Donald's do, Larson's create, you know, Johnson's can, and attach your last name to each of those values. Because again, that's language that if you're, if you're, if you and your children are every day saying these really powerful things as a family, it's like, eventually it's like, oh, I am that. Like I can only say Smiths do hard things so many times before I start to realize like, well, yeah, I'm a Smith. And that just means I can, I can do hard things. I can do hard things. And I would really challenge you as a parent listening to this. Like if you, if you don't have daily affirmations, if, if you're not on a daily basis saying something powerful about yourself or who you're committed to being, and it can be super simple. Like yeah. talk about atomic habits real quick. Maybe just give someone an I just if someone's not doing that for themselves but wants to start that process, then maybe Yeah. Yeah. To bring up atomic habits again, a little nugget out of there is, you know, when you are starting a new routine. And I I agree that that would be a fantastic place to start with this language is with yourself. Yeah. What what words are you saying to yourself about yourself? Ooh, share share the story about your your client and how she started when she started saying nice things about herself. Oh yeah. I love that story. So that, 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 so when I was starting the campfire facts, one of my first clients early on, really, really awesome girl who's, she's a nutritionist and has this really amazing company. And I could, and when we're helping people develop their stories, oftentimes we have them dig all the way back to like their childhood and just kind of see how their life has shaped the journey and the path where they are now and, you know, their mission and why they feel so called to do this. And I could tell in her story, there was something that changed like really there's just this profound shift in her story around like her twenties, but she didn't like really say anything, call out what it was. So I let her finish. And I said, Hey, it seemed like your life was on a really like a a certain trajectory. And then in your twenties, like it changed to one of like hope and possibility and creation and like taking a stand for yourself and getting out of a marriage that wasn't good for you. And like going and doing the thing you really felt called to do, like all these things were around this like pivotal blasting off point for her. And I said, what was that? And she's like, it's so funny. You asked, she said, that is the the point in time in my life for the first time in my life I started to say nice things to myself about myself. And so she said, I I had I can't ever remember my entire life through my 20s, me ever saying anything nice to myself about myself. And the moment I started to say nice things to myself about myself, I and it took a long time, right? Kind of like that story, I started to believe it. Again, I think all these stories are highlighting that language creates. It creates possibility, it creates freedom, it creates hope. And it can be so simple. Yeah. And, you know, again, going back to that atomic habits reference that I made a second ago, James Clear, the author, he suggests that, you know, if you're wanting to start a new habit, such as the affirmations, like we're suggesting, he's like, don't, don't make it hard for yourself. He's like, I'm just start with like two minutes, like, at, and say a time and a place like that makes it stick more. So at 8am, I'm going to say my affirmations for two minutes in the living room. Or whatever. And I think that's a fantastic suggestion about how to start like two minutes. Yeah, you can do two minutes. One of the things I've been doing too, I, I was just sharing with my family, Melissa and the kids recently. I've just kind of gotten this habit at night. It actually helps me go to sleep faster. And it's just a useful thing to do rather than just let my mind wander wherever it goes is I do my affirmations in the morning, but also, and I couple those with meditation and some other things. But at night, I just do my affirmations again. And I kind of just fall asleep somewhere during my affirmations. But you know, I think one of the hardest things for people, I, I think for most of us, I think most of us, one of our lifelong battles is, can we really get to a place where we just love who we are, where we're enough just as we are before, before we're enough for anyone else. Yeah. And again, if, but if we can encourage every member of our family to feel like they're enough, 
right? And this idea that whole families are made up of whole individuals and, and strong kids. And so, yeah, hope that you found something in this that could really, you know, shape something new for you and create a real difference for you and your children. And, and I would encourage you to maybe introduce this as a concept or an idea to your kids and do an exercise with them and see what they would come up with for their I am statements and really get maybe a peek into the world around like how they really see themselves. Yeah. It will be such a fascinating and just a wonderful conversation. Well, thank you guys again for joining us. We are so excited to be on this journey and here's to, uh, here's to all of us using language that creates possibility and uh, creation. Bye. Hey there, thanks for listening to today's episode. To show our appreciation, we want to offer you a free gift. We have an incredible online course you can get now by going to familybrand.com or by following the link in the show notes. And while you're there at familybrand.com, be sure to follow us on social media so that we can go on this journey together. Lastly, if this podcast has impacted you, we ask that you share it with another powerful family in your life and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. We will see you in the next episode.